Hi, I'm Shanta Navarro-Perez with the Presidential Living Team, powered by Compass, on a mission to make your real estate goals a reality, with a commitment to exceeding your expectations and dedication to providing concierge service. I'm here to guide you every step of the way. Whether you're buying, investing, or selling in the vibrant Central Florida market, my goal is to ensure your experience is not just smooth, but truly exceptional. Let's turn your real estate dreams into a reality. This is Marcus Richardson, President and CEO of Rich Group Financial. We look forward to working with you and helping serve you in the financial service arena. So what that really means is we're going to be able to help you with life insurance for your mortgage protection. Make sure that's taken care of when you pass. We're also going to be able to help you for your final expenses to make sure your burial and things like that are taken care of. We also are able to help you with retirement. So if you lose the money in the market and you want to stop losing money, you don't want to keep losing money, we can help you with that. And we also can help you with Medicare. So if you want to make sure you got all that taken care of, please reach out to Rich Group Financial. You can find us at richgroupfinancial.com or you can also send us an email at richgroup28 at gmail.com. And we'd love to serve you and help you and bring you into the family. Welcome to the Pro Formula Podcast. I'm your host, Tarek Shabazz, and this podcast is all about professional development. So if you're trying to take your professional skills to the next level, you're in the right place. In order for us to be able to bring you this great content, I'm going to need you to like, subscribe, or hit that bell on our YouTube page. You can also go to our Instagram, or you can go to our Facebook account. We look forward to seeing you at our next show. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right, welcome to the Pro Formula Podcast. I'm your host, Tarek Shabazz. And at, with this podcast, we really help professionals figure out that formula to take their sales and take their business to that next level. I'm super excited to be here with my man today, Mr. Nick Birdsong, who is the director of digital media and social media for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What's up? With my, what's up with you? What's going on, man? Glad to, glad to be on. Glad you got me. Man, I'm so excited to, to meet with you. There's so much that I want to talk to you about, and I'm sure that we're going to be able to help our, our listeners and our fans. But tell me a little bit about what you've been up to, man. Well, like I said, I'm, like you said, I'm the director of digital and social media for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So um, right now, just getting ready for the getting ready for the season. Um, obviously, just had an exciting off season with the draft. Um, schedule release was was super successful this year. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like coming off coming off a good season where we made the playoffs, was a game away from making the uh, the AFC Championship. So really, just keeping our fans excited, keeping them engaged, and, and getting ready to rock and roll for the season. Man, shout out to the Jags. That comeback against the Chargers last year had me happy as an AFC West fan, uh, Denver Bronco fan. I'll put that out there more specifically. I, I was so happy to see y'all take them boys out of there. I, I don't know when you were at, when you were watching that game and you see you guys go down big in the first half. What, what are you thinking? I was thinking we about to lose, man. Like like the wheels was falling off the was falling off the bus, man. Obviously, like Trevor threw four interceptions in the first half. We get down twenty seven to nothing, and just like nothing is going right. We had I think four turnovers, had another one. Uh, on a special teams, I think the ball went off a guy's helmet or something. Um, and to his credit, I got to give credit to my team, my, my social media manager, a guy named Charlie Charlie Jordan. The entire time we were in the press box, he was like, "We're gonna win this game." Shout out Charlie with the confidence. <laughs> so shout out, shout out, my guy Charlie. Yeah, that's what's up. So when you were um, as you're watching those games, are you do you find yourself being like super invested, or are you still 
I mean, are, are you super invested in the team and invested in what the team is doing? Obviously, you work for the organization, yeah, yeah, yeah. but are you getting your, do you find yourself getting caught up in the action of the game as well? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a little bit different. Like in this role, I can kind of do that because I work exclusively for the team. So like the first half of my career, and I know we'll, we'll get into that later, I was a journalist where, you had, where you're taught like to be objective. You're okay. not, you know, you're not impacted by the wins and the losses. Your job is to tell the story of what happened. Um, so obviously, like in this job, we're still paying attention and we have to, you know, serve the fans the content during the game because we're, we're covering it but yeah absolutely like we ride the highs and the lows you know the, the ups and the downs the four turnovers the comeback that was probably like the greatest most fun night of my career um it was an amazing time and, and yeah so you you can be invested when you when you work for the team you still gotta be you still gotta make sure that you're on your p's and q's like when content comes through making sure you're getting it and delivering it to our channels but but definitely i think that's the cool part about working for a team is you get to you get to be locked in and kind of root for them i like that yeah so so talk to me a little bit about what, what your role is, what your role consists of, what are you doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so as, as a director, um, I have a team of about seven or eight. Um, I could bore you with the whole org chart if you want to get into it, but basically my job is to just steer us steer our social and digital team. So the way that really, really breaks down for us is social is pretty self-explanatory. That's the, the social media channels that we're all on, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, um, and then digital is like YouTube and then the owned and operators. And when I say that, I mean um, the, the company's website, the company's app. Um, YouTube falls under that team as well, even though that's pretty much a social media platform. And then of course, we have like a LinkedIn and so on and so forth. So I pretty much manage the team that activates or publishes on all those channels. That's what's up. Yeah. I, I, I'm not I'm not testing your credentials, but what I want people to understand is like how you get how you get into a role like that where you're working on a, with the NFL team. And now you are a director within this organization. Are you are you an ex-athlete or is that how you got in there? Or what, what did you do to get into this kind of a role? Yeah, I'm an ex-ex-athlete. Like I played <laughs> high school, man, but I wasn't like a big time player in high school or, or college or anything. That really doesn't have anything to do with like how I got how I got my position. Um, yeah, you don't have to be an ex, uh, an athlete in order to get into this role. Listen and learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always always joke uh, when I'm going back and forth with some of my buddies who was like ex-athletes, maybe like in college or stuff like that. I'd be like. I probably made more money on sports than you. That's what. But, right. <laughs> but that's, so, that's but, a big flex. But uh, but now, nah, like um, honestly, like it, that is like my degree is in journalism, and so my path. I always try to tell people when they ask me, like, well, how can I get into this industry or get into a role like yours? My path is a little bit different just because of the time. And so I'm 39, so. Um, you know, we're around the same age, so all of these social media platforms hadn't really like proliferated and weren't like it, they didn't exist. I, I try to tell my staff and like younger people a lot of times, like, yo, I grew up in a time where social media didn't exist, and it's like the most unfathomable thing in the world to them. So for me, my path is a little bit different. So I have kind of like two answers. I tell you what I did, and then I tell you like now how you typically can kind of get into those roles. I like that. What what, what is uh, what was your path? Yeah, so my path was like I have a degree in journalism. Shout out to Fan You, Florida Come Enemy. on, Florida. now, Fan You. You know how we come. What is so, that? <laughs> I know that's what I'm talking about. Every time I look up, it's like, it ain't quite like that. But you know what, what it looks like, man. You know the right path. I don't see him doing all that. I'm like, what does? I look like a little snake or something. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite like that, but it's, it's something similar. So, um, 
so, uh, so basically, my degrees, my degrees in journalism. So then, like journalism, kind of existed in like three paths. I graduated in 2006, so you had newspaper journalism, which was yeah. to be a writer, editor right. for a newspaper. Then you had um, broadcast, which was to be in front of the camera or behind the camera, being a producer. Um, and then you had public relations. So I went the newspaper route, and so the whole first half of my career, I was a reporter. I was a high school sports reporter. I was a college sports reporter. Nice. Um, and then kind of around 2012, I made the transition into doing digital media. I worked for a company called Sporting News, and they kind of gave me an interesting opportunity. They were like, you can write for us, like on our news desk, I think it was at the time. Or they were like, or you can, you know, we see that you're, at the time I was on social media, like, at, you know, you you know you you follow sports on social. We see the stuff you post. We're trying to up our social media presence. Do you want to like help run our social media channels? Mm-hmm. And so at the time, I was like, man, well, I already know I can write. Like I've done that my whole career. Social media stuff seemed to be popping off, and they giving me an opportunity to kind of pick up a new skill yeah. or whatever. I was like, yeah, I just do that or whatever. And so I got the opportunity to, at that time. It was just Twitter and Facebook to kind of. Uh, run, help run their channels for for a brand or for a big company, which is kind of different than when you're doing it personally. And so um, that kind of led me into doing to doing social media and stuff like that. And so um, that was kind of like the catalyst for how I made that made that transition um, into running social media handles and stuff. And I had some other responsibilities and roles when I was with when I was at Sport News as well. But that was kind of how I got on um, in, into doing that. Um, nowadays, usually you're going to have to, and then I was able to kind of hop, skip, uh, hop, skip a step, um, and go, you can go straight into management. We can talk about that at some point. I can't wait to get into that piece. At some point, if you want, how that happened. But nowadays, usually, um, they have like programs where you kind of, some colleges have social media programs where you literally learn how to run social media and stuff in college, which didn't exist when I was there. Um, and social media for us was pagers, y'all. We was on pager. We were putting messages to each other in pagers. We didn't have, <laughs> we didn't have ways to, to, to post and to get on. Um, so, so I'm sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so now you're usually going to have to go into an entry level position, which is usually a, some, some places call it, most places call it a coordinator. Okay. Right. And so there's some skills that you're going to have to have in, in that role. You're going to, everybody knows how to publish on social media these days. I tell people, you probably need to know how to publish. Capture is very important. You do it on your phone naturally anyway, um, but you're going to need to be able to edit or synthesize that, like filming something that's long and making it to something that's 30 or 60 seconds and palatable for a social media channel. Um, and then you're probably going to have to know a little bit about analytics and how that informs the decisions that you make. So the native analytics that you get on your app, like, okay, what time should we post? Stuff like that. Those are kind of like the basic things and you can hopefully land an entry-level role in, in social media and then you kind of just work your way up from there. That's that's a general way to kind of describe it nowadays. All of you future content creators, I hope you heard that. You sometimes got to start as a coordinator, work your way up from the coordinator and you get yourself into some management. How were you able to parlay and get yourself into a, into a management role? Yeah, so it's 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 uh it's, it's two ways. Uh, well, one, I got a job with the Nuggets. Um, uh, Shout out to the world champion Denver Nuggets. Put some respect on them Nuggets, baby. All right. So yeah. So prior to prior to working for the uh, for the for the Jaguars, um, I work I work for the I work for the Denver Nuggets. I was a manager of social media um, there. But really, a lot of the skills that I had while I was at Sporting News, I was able to kind of talk the Nuggets into into believing that I could run their social media because of that. So I had worked with um, a budget, which which in some roles is important. I had hired. Um, 
I had hired uh, freelancers, so I kind of had a staff. Um, I knew how to like edit articles and stuff like that. So I'm managing, the, you know, the, the writers for the Nuggets website at the time, which was like one or two. Um, so there was like a transferable skill set, um, a transferable skill set in some ways. Now, obviously, it's not always like a one to one correlation. Like everything you do at, 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 at your new job isn't exactly like what you did at your previous job. Um, and so and so that was. That was kind of how I was able to make that transition. It, it wasn't. It, it's not really. Tra- it's not really traditional. Um, and so I didn't go the coordinator route I, because that was an open position. And so that's why I tell people like my path is a little bit different. Like it might not. It might not match. Um, it might. It might not match exactly what you know you did. Or, or what you would do now in that role. I like that. I want to talk a little bit about your career with the Nuggets, and obviously it helped to prepare you for this because you were working with the team and you were starting to work in that social media area. But is that what you started on after with the Nuggets was in the social media area? Yeah. So it, with the Nuggets, it was a, it was like it's a natural progression. So I was the manager of digital and social media for the, right. for the Nuggets, and now like just a step up is a, is a director. Um, so it was very 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 similar, kind of like a natural progression. Like once I got to that space. So the so working in the NBA and then working in the NFL are though is it a commonality like we're in professional sports as yeah. you're saying but obviously in NBA you got 82 games in the yeah, field you got yeah, a 16 yeah, game yeah. season talk about that one yeah absolutely man okay. so um of course it's, it's professional sports at the highest level so there there are some commonalities um there are some uh some some differences as well just from my observation now you may talk to somebody else in that space and they may give you a different synopsis but the way I, I break it down to people like the difference between working in the NBA and the NFL is I, like the NBA I, you have 15 players or 12 to 15 players on the roster um, and I'm talking about it from the social media digital digital media coverage on in the NFL you have 53 players right and so it, there are some benefits and some whatever. I never can know what the opposite of a benefit is. I never can say, like, I, we'll call them advantages and disadvantages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 like, I say that all the time. Like, whatever I'm talking about, like, what's the opposite of a benefit? So, disadvantage. So, there's some advantages. Appreciate it. Come on, man. There's some, know, right? there's some advantages and disadvantages of that. Um, and, and I think the, the, the two uh, entities' business models, in my opinion, just from my observation, are a little bit different. I would say the NFL is, you know, the, the richest, most profitable sports league in the world. And I think that from my observation, their business model helps to be that. Okay. Um, number one, football is a, is a more casual sport. Like there are more casual fans of football than anything. Like we've all, you know, I don't know if y'all have ever done like a fantasy football league, but you could be locked in on fantasy and be- I, I'm a champ. I'm, be, a, I'm a but listen, fantasy champ. But listen, I, I, I am too, and they should allow you to put that on resumes. I feel like that say a lot about you. I always say like, you can tell a lot about a person by how they conduct themselves in the fantasy football league. Like it brings stuff out that even like the regular work world don't. So like, I got a couple, I got a few, I got a couple titles under my belt, but you know, y'all who've been in the league with me before, y'all know that. But anyway, um, I was saying like, so in my opinion, the NFL, they, they market the shield, the NFL itself, number one. Yeah. Then they market the game of football. And then they market the, the franchises. So the example I always give is no matter what they call Dallas Cowboy football, it's going to sell. You know what I mean? And I, I, I'll link that to what I'm about to say. And then I think they market the players maybe like fourthly, right? And a, a large part of that is like the players have helmets on. You don't get to see them as much. They have to work a little bit more to be visible in the marketplace. And so the NBA is very player driven, right? So one of the examples that I gave with the Cowboys is I remember a few years ago when Dak Prescott had that, we thought it might be like a career ending injury early in the season. Oh, yeah. I always say, even if that was a career ending injury, that would have been terrible for Dak 
But for the Cowboys, their profit margins probably wouldn't have shifted really much at all because they built that brand, that that star is is what people are buying into. You a Broncos fan, you've seen the Broncos when they're up, when they're down, and you riding with them regardless. That's right. In basketball, you see it's a lot more player driven, so you get to see these guys, you know a lot more about them, you know a lot more about their personalities. They have True. you know like that. more position, more power just because it's more the, the skill set is more finite, you know. What I mean? So so the NBA almost markets the player first. Yeah, in my in, in my observation. But no, I'm a, I'm gonna go with you. Like my son, um, shout out to my son Amir and to my son Leslie. Uh they are both LeBron James fans. Yeah. They're not they weren't Cleveland fans. It's, Perfect they point. weren't Laker fans. Point. They are abs- they're actually LeBron James fans. So wherever LeBron goes, that's where their loyalty goes. When he was with the Heat, yep. they were with the Heat. Exactly. And, and I think in football, if your favorite player goes to another team, you might still root for him, but you're not changing teams because he's exactly. on that team. Exactly, exactly, man. That, that that exactly. So I think that that's the difference that I see in the in the two in the two entities in their business models. And I feel like the NFL's is 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 more well it is more successful that's a fact yeah. um and it's and it's more sustainable in a sense and I feel like the NBA it's beautiful that they're able to market people and personalities but they have to always be on the hunt for how are we going to market that next person I like um, that. and that person has to emerge so 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 some of the challenges it sounds like when you're in the NBA you got a grueling season an 82 game season yes. so as a staffer that must be a challenge yeah. but then you got 15 players that you can kind of really curate content around. Exactly. Where in the NFL, you got a shorter season, but you got 53 players that you got to kind of get to know and, and, and start curating that content. How is it now that you're in the NFL and you're working with 53 guys, how do you determine who you're going to spotlight, who you're going to put, you know, uh, an emphasis on and who are you going to help market? Yeah, I think, um, I think, I think, um, your job is to market, you know, all of the guys. Is to market is to market the team in and of itself. Now I'd be lying if I said that they're not like some guys who have who are more popular than others. Yeah. But I think the other beautiful thing about football is that you have the players to, to market um to, to your audience, but they bring an audience with them from their college. And that college and that college um that that college fandom is very very strong. Sometimes even stronger than right. as strong or stronger than some NFL teams. So it might be a rookie who's coming in and obviously he hasn't proven himself in the NFL yet, but you can, with something like the Instagram collab tool, which is like a gift for all like content creators, you know, you might post a play that he made in training camp and you collab with this college. And so now you're exposing, you know, their fan base to their to the players protein fan base. And like you said, they, they are a fan of this guy, but they're also now paying attention to your channel. So I think um and sometimes the action just dictates it like, okay, the guy scores the most touchdowns. Yeah. And then you learn the about face it. of the organization. Yeah, you, Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be highlighted and, and marketed absolutely. a little bit more than the defensive tackle, who's the third round, a third string guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and some of it is just a, is just in, in football, the quarterback is going to be a big is going to be a big deal. But it, but the beautiful thing of it too is like you get to learn the guys' personalities, different things they're into, and, and you make that a part of the team's narrative and how you market the team. I like that. I think it's interesting, you know, just looking at the different dynamics of that. I want to I want to kind of get into. Did you always want to be in the sports? I, I know you were ex. You said ex ex athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to the high school uh, athletes out there. Yeah. Um, but did you say I'm gonna stay in this? I got into journalism and I'm gonna find a way to stay into the game. Or did the game? How did that choose you? Yeah, I, I think both. Right, like just everybody wants to combine like you know their passion with what they do for a profession if they can. You know, and obviously like you end up having to make decisions based on like I got these bills to pay or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but so. 
I ended up getting into journalism by accident when I was in when I was in high school, man. I played uh, I played two sports. I played basketball and I played tennis. If anybody has seen you me. played tennis, yeah, I played tennis. That's a side. So basically, when I grew up, man, I grew up going to like a park and rec that was also like a boys and girls club. Okay. But we had like all of these park directors and coaches and stuff that instead of playing like little kitty games, we just played different sports. And so we got exposed to like everything. Okay. And so like me and um, a few of my a few of my friends from my neighborhood. Shout out to my boy Keon, um, my guy Kevin Kilkenny. What's up? Yeah. Uh, um, you know, we 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 started playing tennis and we liked it. And you think about it, there's a lot of similarities between tennis and basketball. You gotta move laterally. I do the same defensive slides, like on the baseline and stuff like that. And so we liked it and you know, played some youth stuff and then I ended up playing in high school. Um, but how I got into journalism was, you know how you gotta take like two years of a foreign language usually in most high schools. That's right. So I took I took I had my two years done and then um I was taking Spanish three. This is a funny story. And my tennis coach was a Spanish three teacher. And he would be in he would be in class talking to me about matchups and practice. And I'm like, man, I'm not trying to hear all that. Like, that's what with the Spanish? Yeah, we could talk about that after school or whatever. And so I just was I went I went to uh, my guidance counselor and I was like, I will do whatever it takes to get out of the Spanish three class. And the only class that was open was like a newspaper journalism class, right? Nice. So I didn't I had always done well in English and stuff, but I never thought about being a writer or anything. And then um and then I got the opportunity to like write about the high school football game. So I didn't play football, but like all my homeboys did. And, and so that's I was a big, big sport of the school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so I got to like make them seem like they were superheroes with the stuff I was able to write. And I ended up liking it. I went to a journalism uh, camp at, uh, at FAMU. It turns out that I was like the only kid in the camp who was actually going to school there the next year. Actually, the first year I applied for it, I didn't make it. I didn't get into the camp. And so, uh, and then went on and uh, and that was ended up being my major and ended up being my career. So. Awesome. For, for, for those that love sports, like I'm an avid sports fan. I love sports. I love, and I love everything about sports. We debate sports all day. We, we all have a take on sports. We all think we know something about sports, but is this, are you working? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely working. Uh, that's for sure. I, I, I tell people this all the time when they ask me about like my job and stuff like that. It's a fun job. <laughs> it's it's dope. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, a lot of times, like you know, everybody. I, I would say every job has its job aspects, like things that um, you know you, you probably wouldn't do if it weren't a part of the job. Yeah. But man, I also know people with what, what I call like real jobs. Not that my job isn't a real job, and their job has a lot more of those aspects. So I don't. I want to act like it's, it's not fun. Um, I, I enjoy it, like, especially with the staff, um, with the staff that I have. Um, we talk about how that came to be, you know, maybe a little bit later. But, like, it's it's a, it's a it's so dope to the point where when we're out, like, when we're away, we go on vacation. Like, we miss each other. We just miss working with each other. So, but we're, we're definitely working. There's a lot of planning that goes into sure. it. Um, one, of the, one of the biggest questions I get is, like, what do you guys do during the offseason? And the real and the real answer is there, there really is no offseason. There's a time where we're not playing games, but it's not like – that, that actually, that's probably where more work is being done. That's where you have to do a lot more project management. So you look at like football. Of course, there's 17 games and in, in in three or four games in the, in the playoffs if you, if you make it that far. So the games are only played in this like four or five month window. But if they're the most profitable sports league in the world, obviously they know how to generate revenue throughout the year. And so they do that through stuff like as soon as the season ends. You got the combine coming up. That's right. You got the draft coming up. Right after draft, you got you got schedule release, which is that's the day where you're gonna drive more single game ticket sales than any other day of the year. So that's a, there's huge business ends 
associated with that. And so, and then right after that, rookies report for rookie minicamp, and you basically just start back the season, start 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 everything back back over. And so, um, so there's so there's a, a ton of planning that has to go into this. Um, it, and that's probably another difference between the NBA and the NFL. The NBA, you have 82 game days, and then you have 82 days where you're coming out of a game. So that's 164 days of your calendar marked up by games. In the NFL, you have like 17 and maybe a few extra game days. You're trying to drive all of your traffic to your website, to your social channels on those benchmark, we call them tentpole event days and stuff like that. So you have to really be, um, and, and I said that you don't do that in the NBA, but you have to really be a, a project manager, really be able to um, map out how you're going to go after these certain objectives and, and, and achieve certain things. And so um, it's definitely a huge job aspect to it. It's, it's big business, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, being in this podcast doing this, I get a chance to sit down with brothers like you and and um, I get to learn so much and I'm, I'm hopeful that we're able to share some information with others. Um, I think loving what you do is an important part of being successful. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I think, um, I, I don't think it's necessarily like a must, for everybody, um, I mean, but I think that if you can, it, it depends on how you how you approach like vocation, how you approach work, right? Okay. Some jobs in and of themselves are just fun. Like if you're a professional athlete, you started playing this game, um, you know, because playing a game because it's fun. If you are able to retain that, of course, and maybe it makes it that much easier. Um, so I, I think like it matters like you know what what motivates you and and, and why you're motivated. Okay. Um, I, I, for me. Just in a, in a like strict sense, and in, in what I do is it feeds my competitive nature. Obviously, I'm not I'm not a, I'm not an athlete like you said. I'm an XX athlete, right? Well, that's what you said. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an XX athlete, right? So, um, but I'm competitive. So, like, all the example I give is like if me and you just at the basketball court and we just shooting change, like we just shooting, right? We're not competing against each other, but in my mind, I'm competing because I'm, competing I'm, I'm keeping track of how many shots you've made, how many I've made. And so in, in this business, in the social media space, there's so many metrics. Like you can see how many page views your, your website got, how many likes, how many, I guess they call it, it's X now, it's not Twitter, how many reposts, um, how many shares, all of that. All right. Thank you all for joining the show. Just a quick reminder, if you like the content that you're receiving and you want to help us out, we really would appreciate that. If you want to help, you can go to our cash app, which is dollar sign, the pro formula, or you can go to our Patreon account, which is patreon.com slash the pro formula. Thank you so much. Your support means the world to us. In the league, every week you get a report to see how you stack up against all thirty-one other teams. And so, for me, it feeds my competitive nature. And a lot of a lot of the people that work on, on my team or that work on our marketing team are like that as well. So it's just competing in a different way. Um, but I, I think that's that's not the only motivating factor for, for for doing well on your job. But for me, that's a huge one. I think I think that's the key right there. One of the uh, that's the key to success is you got to be willing to compete and still put yourself out there. And uh, I won't put myself out there as an athlete anymore because I don't have it any longer. But I love to compete. While I was driving on my way here for my interview, it was a car that was right next to me, and it seemed like he was trying to beat me. I I, I don't know if I'm competing with myself or I was competing with him. But I'm gonna tell you, I was out there trying to make sure that I was there. So I think one of the keys to success is being competitive and taking some pride in the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, I think that's universal. Like you have to, you have to take pride in, in what you do. Um, one of uh, shout out to Brooke Hoffey. Uh, she's a new staffer of ours. We, she was an intern that we that we kept over. But one of the things that I love about Brooke is like her work ethic. Like I, I, one thing I noticed about her is like how she does anything is how she does everything. Whether the task is small or whether the task is you know big or has more implications. Like 
if, if she is taking notes, she's taking notes to the best of her ability. You know, if she has a presentation, she's doing that to the best of her ability. And that's, a, that's with a lot of people that I, I work with, a lot of a talented people. So let me pause and say, Amon Lott, um, Charlie Jordan, we mentioned, Brooke Hoppy, Jennifer Garibaglia, Will Pease, Cam, Cam Shooter Hicks. Um, so like that's, 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 that's the team of people that I get to work with. I want to make sure I mention them, but they all have that about them is that they take pride in what they do and it means something to them. Shout out to the team. Um, just as we're talking about the team and developing team dynamics, what are things that you look for in those team members and how do you continue to find these type of, these type of team members that are going to be productive or that are going to fit the kind of culture that you're looking to build within your program? Yeah. So to sort of, um, kind of piggyback off of what we were just talking about, um, passion and, and pride is, is, is what is, is, is something that fuels people. Um, that's always good, right? Now, of course, like on, on the basic level, you gotta have a rudimentary skill. Like, you gotta be on paper, you gotta, you gotta yeah, check the boxes. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta check those boxes and then how you differentiate yourself amongst all of the people that do check the boxes, right? Like, if you're hiring for a content producer, like they have to be able to shoot and edit, kind of like that's a basic thing, but how they differentiate themselves. Like, I, I use Cameron Hicks, um, as an example. Cam is just passionate about like capturing content in the way that he presents it. So uh, a couple years ago, uh, we were going, we we were playing the Rams, and so we were, we went to LA to, to, to cover the Rams, and so we found out that uh, Sierra Canyon was playing at at uh, Staples Center. They had just changed the crypto at the time, so we was like, "Oh, we want to go see LeBron James son play. We're gonna go to this game." But I was just doing it like, "Oh, this is a, like the game is tomorrow, but you no, know, tonight we're gonna go watch this game, just have a good time." So we're sitting down, and it's a high school thing, so of course our arena's not packed out, so we get to sit a little bit closer. And like Cam is with his phone, like capturing the whole time, and he's like putting together this video. That's just how, like, that's just what he does. It's almost like an extension of him. Like, he captures content. He sees things. When he sees something happening, he's on it. And he's thinking about, how can I put this together? How can I make this cool? He's always uh, testing new things. Like, we were just in the office the other day, and he made a post where he was working with, like, different shutter speeds. He, like, you know, slowed the shutter speeds on his camera down. Then I look, I look over at his computer, and he's, like, looking up. He wants to buy a VHS camera so he can start filming, like, the old school vintage VHS style. And these are not things that, like, I'm asking him or, or you know as his director telling him to do like this is just what he's passionate about and that comes across um in his work i think so that's that's one of the big things for me is like you can you can kind of tell if, the, if a person is passionate about it um sometimes you can't tell that like in the 2d like if i just got your resume i don't know but i can look at your work and and, and kind of see like you know how good you are at least you know yeah well for me I'm, I'm, i've been a director for a while and um, I read a book that was called The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Quincy, only one of my favorite books. And it really helped me identify the type of people that I want to hire. And it talks about hiring people that are hungry, uh, people that are uh, humble, and people that are, are after going out there and getting it. So when, I, when I'm interviewing people and looking for people, I'm looking, do they have those mm -hmm. traits? Mm -hmm. uh, it's cool with you that you can actually say, pull up some of your videos. Let me see some of the work that you've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I think... Um when you're talking about being hungry, um, that's another thing that's big. I, I call it being intrinsically motivated. Yeah, man. Um, like, of course, like... Nobody got to tell you to go go get it. Somebody who's intrinsically motivated, they have the fire inside of them yep. to go figure it out. Absolutely, because the thing is, is like, I want people who have aspirations beyond where they're at right now. Like, yeah. like I don't want anybody to be content. Like, one of the things somebody early in my career told me was like, if you're working for me, 
you're gonna you're gonna be moving up or you're gonna be moving out. And out don't mean like I'm gonna fire you. That's right. Out means like you you may get hired by somebody else to do a, a bigger and a better role. That's right. Um, but just that person who's saying like I'm here for me because look, you know I'm T and everything that I do represents me, and I have to be able to merchandise what I do to other employers or if I or if I want to start my own thing to to future clients. So that person is waking up every day because they're they're intrinsically motivated because they know that they're working against them, and, and that's something like I can't give you. That. Yeah, I, I love an intrinsically motivated person. I think, you know, when you have to constantly provide extrinsic motivation or provide them with incentives, which I think is important too. Yeah. People should get bonus, bonuses if you if that's the structure of your compensation plan. But more than anything, they've got to have that will and have that desire to themselves. Yep. I, I want to switch gears just a little bit and learn a little bit about where that comes from inside of you. And, and I, I want to transition by asking, like, what would 10-year-old Nick think of the life that you're living right now? Like, if, if you could look back at him, which I know is weird, to, like, go in the third person and talk to yourself, but yeah. how would how would he feel about the life that you built? Man, I, I hope that he I hope that he would be proud. I think he probably would think that my job is cool. You know, I'm thinking about how old I was in fourth or fifth grade. Um, there, there's some cool aspects to my job that, that, that I think he would be attracted to. I think um, one of the things around fourth grade is where I start seeing um, – the importance of, you know, old folks say, uh, you know, what you hang around, what you're going to be like. Mm. And so I was always, and I don't even think, this, I think this is just God, man. Like, I, 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 was, I was always blessed just to have friends that were, like, doing good and doing positive things. And those are the guys that I gravitated toward. Like, I remember in the fourth grade, uh, one, of, one, of my, one, of, one of my good friends growing up, my boy Elio, um, like, he was always the best at basketball. He was always better than me. And I remember meeting him at the park. And I was like, man, I need some of what he got. And even we're in the same fourth grade class together. He did the multiplication tables faster than me. But we were always boys. He always, you know, even though he wasn't like, you know, in the 10th grade or in the fourth grade, he ain't saying like, hey, man, I'm motivating you. But just I knew like, man, if I do what this guy's doing, if I'm hanging around him, I'm probably going to be in a better situation. And that's something that even in college, man, I was just blessed with. Um, that's a good friend. So I think fourth grade Nick would think my job was pretty cool. And, um, you know, and, uh, and, and hopefully like, uh, you know, he'd be, he'd be I, guess, I don't say proud, but he, hopefully he'd think my job is pretty cool and, and maybe be a little bit motivated by me, I guess. I want to, I want to touch on something that you said just now that I think is a jewel and is a key to success and a part of a professional's formula is, and it's talking about your circle, yeah. the people that you surround yourself with. And I think you've always got to, I always say, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Yeah, I got to sure. get myself That's into good. a room with somebody who's smarter than me. I got to get myself into a room with somebody who wants more than me. I was very intelligent when I was a young kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I naturally had wit. I was intelligent. I yeah. could score well. But some of my neighbor, some of the people in my neighborhood that I grew up with, that wasn't their focus. And I, I, I call it dumbing down, but I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. What I mean is I, I leveled down at times where I wanted to fit in with those yeah, that, yeah. that were um, cool or, you know, I used to get teased for being on the honor roll. You know, and like, man, look at you, man. This dude was a little smart dude and all that. And yeah, so I, yeah, found, yeah. I found that to be something that I had to grow through and, and, and grow up through. What was it like for you? You know, obviously you had intellect as well and, and you were motivated by some of your classmates as well. But how did you keep yourself focused and stay on that track or did you? Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I did for the most part. Um, I think, um, again, like just being blessed to have like the, the clique that I was in. I, I tell people this all the time. Like there were probably kids that were getting, you know, picked on or whatever for being smart. But 
I never was cool with them kids. So like it, it didn't it didn't impact me. They were like in a different clique. So like my friends, like we always started like one, we, we, we did well in school and we played ball. So I think like the playing ball thing in most, you know, most neighborhoods or whatever, like that's gonna give you a certain amount of credibility. Like you can't really say nothing if I'm one of the best basketball players True. in this neighborhood. True. But like we, ne I never thought like you gotta be in school all day anyway. What is the point of like being there? You ain't doing nothing. Or you ain't learning nothing. Like, and I, I ain't saying like that to criticize people. No, I'm not saying that to criticize anybody. But, but like. We just always thought doing well in both, and maybe it was like the competitive nature in us was cool. Like we, I, re I remember like we would get our report cards and, and literally be looking at, oh, you got you got all A's, or you got all A's and a B, or you got a C. Like compare them, and then we'll go and like get after it on the basketball court. Like it, it always went, it always went, um, it always went hand in hand. Um, for us, like me, like I said, my boy Alio, my boy Trey, um, he's like a year younger than us. Um, but like that was always we always thought both were cool. I, I don't really know. Are you but, still connected with, with those brothers? Yeah, yeah, those those are my guys. We, obviously, we don't like communicate as much as we used to, but um, yeah, we, we we still we still we still cool to this day. Man, I got a I got an event. Let me say, I'm calling it an event. I don't have an event. The Denver Broncos have an event coming up in yeah. uh, in September, and we're uh, me and my boys were all meeting in Miami to go to the game, and we're still. Yeah. I find myself to still be connected with those friends that were good for me you yeah, know I'm, yeah. I'm, it's like I still I got new circles I got new people that I hang with but I still find myself wanting to be around those people that, that know me I want to just ask you uh how has it been for you as you've taken this next step in your career with with acclimating and, and making new friends yeah man that's that's probably like one of the more uh like probably more difficult things I think it's in general like as an adult like Typically, when you're growing up, you meet your friends at school. You know what I mean? School is a little bit more social than work. Like work, you know, you, you have to go in, do what you got to do. You know, you might leave or you might be in meetings with these people. Some people have very, like, strict lines between, like, keeping their friends separate from their business. And, and like, ain't nothing wrong with that. I, I, see, I see the wisdom in it. And then nowadays, too, like, a lot of work is so remote or a lot of work is, like, on the move. And so you're, you're kind of operating in silos. So I think as an adult... It's definitely been uh, definitely been more difficult than like you know quote unquote like making making friends. Um, I, I think like just being social is 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 cool. I'm, I'm not like I'm a, like this is I mean we've talked prior to this, but like I'm I'm not like the most like outgoing person in the world anyway. Um, and so you surprising me with your with your energy today. I'm like I, 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 I told you I told you I told, God, you, I told you I was gonna have to try to like I was gonna have to try to like match, match your energy. Plus, man, I want your podcast to be good. Like I don't want to be like you know like you, you talking on the phone. I'm usually like super laid back, coolest um, dude I ever talked to. <laughs> Bro, don't never get hype about nothing. Be just chill. I'm super excited, and he'll say something like, "Man, I really think you wanted something, man. That's a really cool idea that you got there." And I'm thinking. Does that does he like my ideas or does he not? Yeah, man. So I'm, I'm, that's just how I am. Like like we were saying before, like my mind just tell me growing up, like the house would be on fire and Nick would be like, "Hey, man, I really think like you know we should all gather our belongings and depart so that we don't get engulfed by the flames." You know, um, who would want to go out like that? That's just how I am. I'm man. fired up. I'm like, Mama, they're out of the kitchen. We gotta get them. Yeah. Get, get what you can get because we gotta get out of there. Yeah. So, 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 like, um, I, I think like, you know, some people say they have their friends and then they have their friends that they met at work, and I, I don't really know. Man, I, I'm still kind of working, working through that. 
um, working through that. But I think just, you know, being you and letting relationships happen organically, whoever gravitates towards you in school, but also see the benefit in some people who I wouldn't say forceful, but who are just intentional about making relationships. With certain no, I'm, I'm making this dude my friend. He ain't been trying to <laughs> I'm making brother my friend. I call him. I'm trying to hang out with him. I'm trying to figure out how we can get connected because I moved out here to Florida, y'all, two years ago, and um, I was a remote worker. Yeah, yeah. And I need to be around the water cooler. I need to talk to somebody. Did you see the game last night? <laughs> and uh, wifey is so happy. I'm at the house, and she's just living her best life. She's and I'm, I'm miserable. I, I'm, I got to get around some human beings. I need some human connection. So thank you for providing me with a little bit of human stimulation, man. Well, I appreciate I, that. Same, same, man. Likewise, man. Like I always say, like. I'm so laid back that like if I, I usually like a lot of my friends or like, you know, people that I'm drawn to are like more outgoing, you know what I mean? And, and I was just attract on them. Yeah, because if I was just friends with people who were like me, we boy each other, you know Yeah, y'all I mean? might not even ever talk to each other or see for, each other. For y'all, real, yeah, yeah. You like, hold on, um, but, but you know, I, I understand that because my wife is on the other end of the spectrum and she is in her best world. Shout out to my wife from that. Yeah, She's in like, her best like, world. You know, my wife, she, like, she is... This outgoing, you know what I mean? Right. Like she, she, she just just has that naturally. That's you know, I'm, I'm the opposite from that. But I, I'm like even like uh, I was saying about Amon uh, a lot. Um, our social media special. Shout out to Amon Duval County's finest Rains Rains High School Viking. Shout out to my guy Rattler as well. Uh, everybody know Amon. You might, you might. You, if you don't know him in Jacksonville, you're gonna know him because he's like I always say. I wish I had his personality. He's just a super outgoing person, man. Shout out to Amon. Like never, never met a stranger before. I'm like, man, if I had what you had, like I would, like I'd be on top of the world, man. But that's you know different sorts of different folks. But I, I've always been drawn to people who have that in them. Yeah, I like that. I, I wonder, what are some things that you took as a child? Like for me, I'll, I'll give you an example of what I'm about to ask you. When I was a kid, I was the leader and the mouthpiece. Yeah. I didn't know this, though, at the time. But yeah. I, we would have to, I ran track growing up, and we were on going on trips. And the kids would, you know, I'd have to raise money so that I could go out of town. And, and we were selling World's Finest Chocolate Bars. And my sister would always be like, brother, I'll go with you. Mm-hmm. But you gonna have to ring the doorbell and talk. She ring the doorbell, but I was the one that had to talk to the people. Yeah, yeah. When it snowed, we'd be like, "Yeah, boy, it's time to get to some money." But they'd be like, "But, but you gotta be the one to go talk right, to right, at right. the front door." They would be ready to start shoveling. They had no problem. I realized I was a leader, yeah, and yeah. I was also a mouthpiece at a young age. Yeah. What were some of the? And, and it's it's carried over into my career now. Yeah, people follow my vision. I'm able to put together a vision. People get excited about yeah. it, and they get fired up about it. What are some skills that you had when you? were younger that you find yourself still tapping into today yeah i wish that i could say like it was like vocal leadership but it's, it's definitely not um i think for me i think like the 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 ability to write is is um has been like the thing that's the most beneficial for me so obviously i told you like first half of my career i was i was a, i was a sports reporter like right. a newspaper journalist right and so i thought coming into the team space this is something new um, these people have worked for teams their entire career or longer than I have. And it was going to be like this, you know, just a huge shift for me, which it was in a lot of ways. But, um, man, the ability to be able to, like, hear something or read something, synthesize it into something that's palatable for other people and that's communicable. Like, that's a huge advantage for me. Um, like, and I, 
like that's just been a huge advantage for me. Like I can I can write out a one sheeter, I can write out a a, a a deck or whatever, and I know that I can write it in a way that you can understand it. That it, you know that 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 I'm pretty sure the person that's receiving it can understand it. Um, I can spell, I can put sentences together. Obviously, I got a degree in journalism, so that. But man, that's a huge thing. Like like for a lot of people, that's that's really um that's really a difficult thing for them, or they struggle with it. Um, and so for me, like just to be able to communicate in that way has been. Um, has been beneficial. I think it's cool when you understand what your gifts are. I was recently at a seminar and his brother said, he said, your gift is what what comes easy to you, but it's hard for others. Yeah. And yeah, I heard him say that. I, was, I said, what well, I want to repeat that to y'all. Your gift is what comes easy to you, but it's hard for others. And a lot of times, if you really look at your life, you'll understand what your gift was. You had that gift when you were seven years old or when you were 10 years yeah, old or 15 absolutely. years old. Um, but then you went away from that yeah. trying to be something else. And I think it's important. Uh, J. Cole, shout out to J. Cole. He's got a song called Love Yours. And in that song, he's just saying, yeah, somebody's probably got a bigger house. Somebody's probably got a finer wife. But love your wife, love your house, love what you have. And I think when you look inside of yourself and see what your talents and what your gifts are and you just fall in love with that, it's a lot easier than me trying to be Nick. So when you always say, well, not always, you just said a couple minutes ago, you're like, man, I wish I had a mind's talent. But that's what makes a mind a mind. Your talent is what makes you you. Um, I'm going to be weird with you one more time. If if you could talk to 10-year-old Nick mm-hmm. and you could just have like a quick conversation with him, you could provide him with any kind of advice, what advice would you provide to 10-year-old Nick? I'm going to ask that, but you saying uh, what you just said made me think of uh, another one of my team members. Uh, and I think I may have forgotten something about Devin Carvajal, our creative content manager. But he's like that. Like Devin is such a such a great creative and it and it it just comes it just comes natural, it just comes easy. And he thinks like creatively, like if you guys look at the Jaguar social media channels, a lot of like the funny memes you see or the gifs or the super dope graphics. If you see a super dope graphic on our channels, nine times out of ten, Devin is the one who made it, and the stuff just comes to him like that. And he doesn't he can't if you ask him how, a lot of times he he like, I don't really know how, man. I just that's just how I am. That's how I think. And I'm always, he's always showcasing new talents that he has. Like, I didn't even know this guy could draw. Man, dude can illustrate. He can draw. He can DJ. Um, of course, he's a, he's a fire graphic designer. He can design shirts and clothes and stuff like that. Um, and it's just like, it's just, a, it's just a reflection of like who he is. That's just in him. So I just want to say that real quick. Like, that, it, it, it crystallized in my head while you were saying what you were saying. Um, and then you, you were saying, what would I say to 10-year-old me? Yeah. Um, I think I would say to 10-year-old me, uh, you know the old quote, uh, "Youth is, is wasted on the young," as they say. Um, and so, I would probably say some stuff that ten-year-old me would be trying to hear, would be trying to listen to. Uh, but I, I would say, man, definitely, um, you know, uh, listen to your elders, man. Like the older you get, Ain't the more you crazy. <laughs> we go back to like our elders were giving us so much knowledge, but we didn't want to hear them. Youth is wasted on the youth, man. That, that's how I go when you're young. You're not trying to hear this stuff, and then you know you. you you have, I don't want to call them regrets, but you look back on stuff differently when you, when you, uh, when, when you're older. But I, I, and I would say, I think that that's probably like the people who, who win a lot or people who win a lot, they realize those things at a younger age, okay. you know, like what's really important and what the value, you know, things of that nature. And, and when you get older, you know, it becomes a little bit clearer because you have the benefit of, of retrospect of looking back at it. So I would say, man, this is, your mommy and daddy ain't telling you no lies, man. They really know what they're talking about. You know, your older brother, your sisters, they really know what they're talking about. Listen to them. So that would probably be one of the biggest things right there. I call my mom and dad all the time, and I tell them, and shout out mom and dad, I know y'all watching. Um, I always tell them I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. God, you told me this. If I had to just listen to you, and 
you know, we thought we knew everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, Come but on, the, the older I'm getting, the more I realize, like, my daddy said, the, the name of the game is the same. It has not changed. It's hey, all man, the same. It ain't nothing new under the sun. The funny thing is, is like, I say that all the time about, about social media. It's full of, like, 23-year-old experts. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's like, a coach. Yeah. It's, it's 20. How are you? A, you're a, so let me get this right. You're a 24-year-old life coach. Yeah. Like, you've been legal for, like, six years. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how are you a 24-year-old life coach? You know what I'm saying? I, I tell my kids all the time, your cup is full with your, your little 17 and 18-year-old information. Pour some of that out. Yeah. Let me pour a little bit of this wisdom in there. Yeah. And then leave some room for other people to add to your cup. But when you're already 18 years old and your cup is already full, if I try to pour anything on that, it's going to just go over to the side yeah. and you ain't going to catch none of that. Yeah, like you've been, you been working in whatever field you're in for like two years. Yeah. You know everything about it. Like, okay. Shout out to all the uh, Instagram coaches. <laughs> <laughs> to all the Instagram coaches, these culture coaches. I ain't making fun of you. I'm just saying... I, I, you guys have figured it out a lot sooner than it was than I was able to figure it out. Exactly, exactly. So, so you would tell a ten year old Nick, you know, listen to your elders, and and that's awesome. Now that you're, we're, we're not elders though yet, right? No, we the OGs now. We the OGs now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was just the YG, just the little G, just not too long. Nah, but I guess I'm, OGs, I'm the OG now. Yeah. Um, what what are some things that you're looking for in your career, like over the next few years? Some things that you're looking to accomplish, or, or what's the next step for you? Oh man, um, now I'm hit you with it. That's a great question. You know, whenever somebody say that, they're really trying to think. They trying to think. They trying to get they, themselves. They don't have an answer. Yeah, man. I, I think for me, um, in the immediate, like continuing to grow the Jaguars brand, like um, I think a lot of times, like because we're the smallest market team in the NFL, like we have to kind of punch above our weight. Is that a fact? That's a fact. Yeah. Jacksonville is the smallest market in the NFL. Yeah, man. Jacksonville, Florida. Look at in comparison. Um, also, too, we're an expansion team. You know oh, what I mean? So really got there, started in '95, and so you talking about like story franchises like the Packers and the Bears, the Broncos. You know what I mean? The Broncos as well. You know, um, you know, in comparison, yeah. So um, we try to punch above our weight class, and I think just moving us more into being more of a national, more into an international brand is like one of my goals, and playing my part in that. There's a slew of people who are who we work with that are helping do that but um but yeah that, that's probably in the immediate like professional goal what what are some of the uh some of the things that you got to do to keep growing the brand and to keep growing yourself professionally yeah i think um i think one of the things that you got to do um number one like I, success on the field is huge and i think like we're in a we're in a, um, a good position with uh with, with the head coach with the gene with doug peterson with Trent balky with uh, with obviously like Trevor Lawrence at quarterback to be moving in the right direction. Um, and so being able to capitalize on that and being able to capitalize on those moments um, when, and being ready from a content standpoint, being, having the team in place to capitalize on those big moments. I think capitalizing on those big moments is probably one of the big things that, that we have to that we have to do. As you as the success grows, um, you're gonna have to grow your team because, like you said, some of those people are gonna get other opportunities. Yeah. If, if and you talked a little bit about you know what those people are like, what what you're looking for in those particular employees, but is there is there growth for you within that? Yeah. Arena as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the, and I'm not just saying this because I work there, but I, I think that's one of the, the, the cool things about working for the Jaguars is that they really value people, uh, you know, 
more than a lot of places, I would say. And so they will really help you develop a growth plan. Like, uh, for example, Devin, who I was just telling you about, Devin came in, he, like five years ago, Devin was like, it was an intern in foundation, which does a lot of, and now he's like a creative content manager on the social side. And that's because they saw his talent, saw his abilities and kind of made a way for him. So there's definitely room for, for growth there. Our team is always growing. Um, one of the things, uh, one of my mentors, I, I don't like saying mentor, but whatever, like it's one of my mentors. Shout out my guy. Shout out my guy, Eric. Uh, Why would Eric. you like saying mentors? Um, I, I always say this, like, this, cause this is the thing, like a lot of people, when you use that term, they feel like this is the person who has guided you to where you're at, or this is the person. And, and I heard, uh, I don't know if you know the rapper told me who he is, but one of the, he gave this cool example one time of saying like, if your car breaks down and you're on the side of the road, right? Um, and you know you need some help. If you sit in your car and wait for somebody to come to help you, you're probably going to be sitting there for a long time, right? But if you get out and start pushing your car, um, you'll be surprised how quickly somebody get out and helps. You know what I mean? I always tell people like, I always tell people like, man, ain't nobody gonna look out for you like you. You got to be a moment, or you got to be checking out opportunities. Doing, you know, if you want to do a podcast, you got to look into what's the best way for you to do that. A person can come and give you some little jewels every now and again. I think that's really what mentorship is. Okay. But, um, may forget where I was going, man. Uh, it's all good. But, um, but yeah, that's I, 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 so why I kind of like steer clear that word sometimes because it can kind of be misinterpreted. And some people use it as an excuse, like, well, I don't have a mentor. I never really had one, you know, like that for sure. I had people to help me out here and there along the way, but it wasn't, you know, me driving the car, obviously, like, you know, God, my family, my friends and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like, you know, you got to chart out your own path type of thing. I knew where, I know where I was going. He was saying like your social media plan is never going to be smaller. It's always going to be growing, always going to be bigger. So I think there's, you know, we have, there's things that we need to capitalize on in, in, in growing our brand and growing the team's brand. And I'm just looking forward to playing like whatever part I can. And um, there's some things that I, I like that I'm super passionate about um, and some things that I know I need to grow in as well. Yeah, man, I dig that. I want to just uh, kind of help the audience understand what what's your what's a day in your life like? Uh, what what what's some routines and some habits that you have? Because obviously you at one of the highest levels of where you can get to. I know you don't want to say that, but you work for a middle management out here. But you're working with a professional. You guys are you're in a billion dollar industry. So if you ain't gonna give yourself some flowers, I'm gonna give you some flowers. But I want to appreciate it. In all due truth, I want to understand what does your day look like? What what is the day in in uh, in Nick's life? Yeah, again, that's a great question. (laughs) But I I think, like honestly, in Louisville, like. Some people really have like a rock solid routine, right? That that they that they know they can go to that's foundational for them, that helps them keep everything intact. That's something that I'm still working on. I'm always trying to trying to do that and I'm I'm not consistent with it. So uh some days being like, humble, y'all. Some no for real. Like I, I need a better routine. Like right now I'm not working out, you know, at all, period. Uh I read, but like I need to be more consistent, I need to be more focused with it. Um, and so, like, uh, shout out to one of my friends, my boy Ramon Bellingham. He got us doing a Bible in a Year plan, so I do that. Oh, but, nice. um, but yeah, man, like, I, I think for me, I like that a lot of my days are different. But basically, from a from a work standpoint, like, every morning at 9 a.m., we have a, we call it a daily social digital huddle. It's where we talk about all our activations, um, everything we got going on in that day. Um, we have some other kind of, like, benchmark. We have some other kind of meetings based around certain projects, but we start out our day by planning our day. You know what I'm saying? We look back on what so we're world map. Yeah, yeah, roadmap. We start up and it's basically so nothing slips through the cracks. Um and I think like having that having my team at least come together 
initially to start the day um, with some togetherness. It's a good time to talk to everybody because you might be doing different things. Um, and it's also a good thing to make sure that you're on point and on target. A lot of people talk about like planning in a big picture. You got to make sure you're on point for the day. Yeah. So that's one of the one of the things. Um, one of the things that I that I try to do, and then it depends on what day it is. That's different. We have a lot of meetings, you know, it's corporate America, so there's there's a ton of meetings, um, and then there's a ton of like activating, like publishing that we have to do on our channels and stuff. And a lot of my day is kind of like guiding those things through, making sure I'm keeping track of what's coming ahead in the short term and in the long term. I, you know, have take calls. It's a job, man. I take calls. It's like I always tell people, like, if you were to shadow me, it might not be like the most interesting thing in the world. Um, I think it might be more interesting to shadow like somebody who's like a content creator because they're the person that gets to put the camera in front of the players and interact with them and stuff like that. So a lot of my day is really just making sure like I start the day understanding what, what our goals and objectives are and helping our team like achieve them throughout the day. Yeah, I can I can respect that. Um, just kind of shifting gears a little bit, I, I, I wanted to learn a little bit about if you could provide just a couple of pieces of wisdom to content creators who are out there, people who are out there trying to build their social media platforms. Um, Jacksonville is the number five Twitter team, if I understand that correct. Number tw number five Twitter team in the entire NFL. According to, according to Complex, we are. Yes, sir. Okay, so shout out to you and to shout out to your team yeah. for, for all that. What are just some basic tricks and um, and some things that you would provide and you, you could let the audience know on how to grow uh, a, a better followership or create better content? Yeah, I think um, number one is, uh, not number one, but it's the person that came to my mind. Someone says number one, not like I'm ranking them, but uh, consistency is key. Yeah. Um, I, because I think, if, I think if you're consistent, you're gonna you're gonna start finding like commonalities and trends, and you're gonna um, you're, it's almost like doing market research. Like you gotta understand your market. So like our voice on social media um, is something that. Our, our fans really appreciate it, but the way that we've developed that is we under we understand kind of like the idiosyncrasies and the quiddities of our of our of our fans like they're kind of quirky the inside jokes the, the things that they're passionate about the things that we know are going to resonate with are we going to resonate with them so on and so forth and so being consistent and like being social on social media like um don't just post reply interact engage yeah. you know what I mean um understand like there's Influencers and, and that's a, I know that's a crazy word right now, but tastemakers amongst the people that are following you find out. And this is really like a, a, a business thing. There are all all clients, customers, fans, whatever you want to call them, aren't created equal. There are some people who are invested at a higher level. So right, like we have season ticket members. Those people are extremely important, okay. right? Okay. And so if you have a you know if you have a clothing line, you you want to know who's who's copping the most gear. And what are, you know, what, how, what resonates with them? And so you really got to understand your market and, and being and posting consistently and interacting and engaging will help you kind of understand that. Reading the comments, making sure you're going through to see what your fans are talking about um, and stuff like that. I think that's really important. Establish, that'll help you establish a voice. Um, and then also kind of carve out your car, car, carve out your niche a little bit. Make sure they know when they come to your channels what they're going to get, you know, the type of stuff, you know. Um, some people are really good at talking about sports. Some people are really good at talking about movies. Some people are. Um, and then make sure that I would say this, have a, um, a high threshold for quality. You know what I mean? Make sure that when you do, when you post something, you basically are presenting to the marketplace, right? So when you step out, you want to step correct. If you do a video, man, make sure the video is high quality. You know what I mean? Make sure you understand, make sure the video is that right aspect ratio, right? Like this is, this is a Snapchat. This is a Instagram story. I need a nine by 16 video. I need a vertical video. Um, I can post a, a 16 by nine on YouTube or on Twitter, but it's not going to look right on my phone. You know what I mean? So 
when I say that, I mean like on a, on a vertical platform. So understand the aspect ratios, portrait mode versus versus a square, all of that stuff is important. I, I think how you present is, is important. So that's the couple of things that came to mind real quick. No, I appreciate that because, you know, my social media game needs some work, man. I, I find myself, but, but it's the opposite of what you're talking about. I'm very inconsistent. I might post a video or post something every couple of weeks. I get a ton of engagement and then I'm off for yeah, yeah. another few weeks. Absolutely. Or I do some working. I might get on there and look through and scroll through my timeline, but I'm not interacting and I'm not posting and I'm not commenting on some of those things. And I, I wonder if that's just me needing to get out of my own way or, and you can't advise me, he turned into my counselor all of a sudden. No, but, but I think, you know, sometimes we're experiencing, and for those people that don't have really strong social media followings, get out of your own way, y'all. Just start creating content and putting the content out there high quality content make sure you're curating it towards your audience is what i'm hearing you say and um and you'll see some growth where did you all start when you when you joined the jags where were you all ranked <laughs> um i know that the um the previous social media ranking is like i can just talk about year over year from last year to this year real quick we went from 17 to 5 on the complex rankings and, and i think the complex rankings are pretty cool because it's not just about volume right like of course, like we're not the Cowboys. They're going to have volume, um, but they kind of take into account like your voice, the quality of what you do, um, stuff like that. So just being able to see that, to see that improvement going from 17 to five. That's nice. um, our schedule release video uh, this year was was incredible. Um, we, we worked with an actor named Asher Graham, who's on CBS Ghost, who did a great job, um, did a great job with it um, and worked with one of his director friends, flew a guy from Australia. Um, um, he was incredible. And then, of course, our team. And so um, it was like one of the most viewed schedule release videos this year. Um, and so just up in the quality of what we did, I think I think was uh, was huge. And we were able to see kind of just an uptick going from 17 to five, going to having, you know, one of the having one of the most viewed schedule release videos, stuff like that. Awesome. Congratulations to you all, to your team. Thank you, man. Thank you. I, I, I guess in this last piece, I want to just learn a little bit about, I know faith plays a big part, you know, yeah. in, in your life. Talk to me about your spirituality and, and how that's helped you stay grounded and how it's helped you uh, ascend in your career or just even in your personal, professional life. Yeah, man. I think, um, you know, for me, that's, that's that's huge that's that's like everything um like this professional stuff is great um you know but but at the end of the day like Bible says like there, there comes a day where we're gonna have to face judgment and give an, and give an account um for for the deed that we that we've done in the flesh and um and christ paid the price uh for our for our sins he's gonna judge us by a right standard like god is god is holy god is righteous he's just and if he's a good judge, he's going to judge us by that standard. The Bible says, like, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So it says, you know, if, if you've broken that standard, um, then, you are, then you're deserving of what the punishment for it is. Right? Christ lived a perfect life. Uh, a righteous life said he was he was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. And so we place our faith not in our own works and our deeds, but in what he did on the cross. And we can be forgiven and, and, and given a righteous standard with God and not the guilty standard that we deserve. And so... Like that's found that's foundational, man. And that's cold right there. That's, that's like just just saying that like it, it rock it rocks your core when you when you hear and again I'm I'm very spiritual, I believe as well. But it's like when you hear you're gonna be called to account for all the things that you're doing. Mm -hmm. That should mark your steps a little bit, right? That's right. 
Yeah, like, you know, like what? Because you, know, you like, know what you're doing. Yeah, and he do too. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a hard part. Like, yeah. you know, like you could you could front on yourself. You know what I mean? But you, you can't you can't front on the Lord. And so, man, like, um, and I think like that that like gives gives you a different a different motivation, um, right? When you're not working to earn something that was given to you, but you're living in light of it, like because I'm forgiven, like like. Like I'm, this stuff is all good and it's all it's, it's all it's all important. Um, but the the reason that you the reason that you do it, your motivation behind what you're doing, is is everything. And so if, if you're doing it because I'm I'm working, I'm doing this podcast, I'm doing this social media as like as as unto the Lord, like that is should raise the level of, of how you do it, why you do it, you want to do it um, with excellency. But man, just just making sure that you that you that your soul is secure, that you're good, and having that gives you a freedom. You know what I mean? Like to to explore. I was gonna say when you were talking about being consistent on social media and stuff. Hey man, just explore. Just start doing it, man. You are gonna figure it out like your first workout. You ain't gonna. It ain't gonna be good. Your first podcast ain't gonna be as good as your tenth one. You know what I mean? And so. Um, when when you have the most important thing, your eternity secure. This temporal stuff that we going through here, you, you could attack that with a lot more freedom and a lot more patience. Yeah, I love that. And, and uh, I'm getting better, man. I'm gonna keep working through it. I'm gonna yeah, keep going so. Last segment, man. I call this settle the score. And um, this is just five questions that I have for you. And, right, uh, let's you do just it. you just answer them to your honesty. Um, who had a bigger impact on you and on the culture? Would you say Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. or Malcolm X? Now I wasn't prepared for this one. Yeah, I didn't tell you this one. Yeah, you ain't you ain't tell me what, you ain't tell me this one. And this is this is a tough one right here because you gonna get judged one way or the other. You sure. know what your answer on this one is, man. This is a tough one. I would say Martin. Okay. Um, I, I would say I would I would say I would say Martin just because um his 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 nonviolent approach um it took away any of the excuses. Yeah, man. you know what I'm saying, and also. Um, the way that he was able to do it with, with, and not that, not that Malcolm X did. Like the first, like one of the first book reports I did in high school was I read an autobiography of Malcolm X. That's actually my my two favorite movies are Forrest Gump and Malcolm X. So I, I love I love Malcolm X, but I think um, Martin just just for um, his lasting impact. Um, and, I, and I and I think a lot of this stuff. Dang, you about to make me talk about this crazy stuff, but that's cool. That's what it is. I think that a lot of the stuff that was going on, you know, you remember when Malcolm got kicked out of the nation. Yeah. I think a lot of that drama, you know, and how people perceive the, the nation, you know, impacted how people view his legacy. His his he was tied to something that almost brought his value down. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and I'm talking about the specific actions of those people in that time. Yeah, and he did interviews about it, so don't no, this ain't me talking. Y'all go YouTube it and find out for yourself. But and, and I think like a lot of people shortchange. A lot of people shortchange Martin. They 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 look they they don't look at the the whole of his work and what he was able to do, and especially what he was trying to do um, right before right before he was assassinated. Like a lot of people don't understand. He that. was really trying to turn this thing economically, man. He realized that the the real power was going to be in economics. Yeah. And, and, we always talk about I had a dream, but really he was saying I. He really said I fear I led my people into a burning building because he hadn't brought the economic side into it soon enough. Yeah. So and, 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 like, and to your point, like soon enough is the key because I mean the dude was he was our age when, when that he crazy. died. Like I'm still trying to figure regular stuff out. This dude was leading a movement, dog. You know what I'm saying? So so uh, well, yeah, I, that's my answer for that one. Let's go. All right, here Let's go. This next one makes everybody want to fight. I don't know why we want to fight about this. But is it Mike or is it LeBron? This one actually might be more controversial. <laughs> That's what I said. You got to be 
being careful on this. All right. We talk, what are we talking about? Who's the best? Best basketball player? Who's better? LeBron. LeBron's better than Michael Jordan. Yes. Oh, my God. You got people. Okay. I ain't going to argue with you on that one. If we talking about all-around basketball player, all-around basketball player, like whatever you need done on the court, it's, it's, it's LeBron James. And then we can also talk about, like, context and stuff like that. And I know, like, look, man, if you make an argument for either one of them, I argue, I love you some Mike. Yeah. I, I just think all-around basketball player, LeBron can score, score, assist. He can be your point guard. He can be your power forward. He's, he basically is positionless basketball. He's LeBron James, and you put some pieces around him, and y'all going to be successful. And the fact that he's still doing it, it's still at the level that he's doing it going into year 21, like he's playing against guys whose dad played in the league against him, and he's still one of the best, man. Jordan, the, the Wizards years, those didn't exist. I the just, years before when the balling, Pistons... When he the, was balling with the Wizards. He just the, years, the years before when the Pistons were putting him out of the playoffs, we don't talk about it now. If we talk about who had a better oh six or seven-year stretch, Mike had the greatest six or seven-year stretch in the history of team sports, and I love Mike. All right, so we off that. We Next off question. that. Well, I, was about, I want to be your friend now. I'm not sure if I want to be your friend, but I, I'm joking. I, I love, right. I love me some LeBron. Uh, I love Mike, too. Um, if you had an opportunity to go on vacation, you going to Miami or are you going to LA? Ooh, um, this is that's a tough one. I, like, and I'm from Florida, and I really only been to Miami a few times. I've been to LA, but not like that. Jeez, man, how much money I got? You got however much you need. <laughs> and money and issue, money and issue, because that that's a big part when you when you when you plan a vacation. Yeah, the money piece, boy, in LA, you got to have some. Boy, you know what, man? Honestly, if I gotta choose between one of those two, I'm gonna do Miami. I'm a Florida boy. Um, I've never like been on South Beach like that. I see like the Key Biscayne and all of that stuff. I might, I might do Miami um, if I gotta choose between the two. I, I really got a dog in that fight though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about um? You rather read a book or listen to an audible? Read a book, man. I like there's to me there's something about like sitting down with a physical book, turning the pages. I even think there's probably like some social science behind like you retain more when you actually read it because you have to read it and then you know you're repeating it against yourself. It's like you learn better when you take notes, like physically writing notes, than when you just listen to something. I love like sitting down and reading a physical book. I probably only like listen to like one two audio books my whole life, and I think one of them I didn't even make it all the way through, so definitely reading physical books. Yeah, I'm reading physical books all day long. I love turning pages. I love how it feels when I get to the last page. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just get fired up, and I'm, I love that. Um, last one, and I think I know the answer for this one, so it'll probably be an easy one for you. Who had a greater impact on the culture? Was it Tupac or was it Nas? Oh, greater impact on the culture? I think that's easy. That's, that's Tupac. Um, just to be a guy who, you know, passed away at, or, or you know was murdered at 25 and 25. we still and we still talking about him um just his, his impact on the culture even on like flow like the way that people rap um whether they do it at the level that he did or not his style um i was just uh talking to one of my partners who got a clothing line and we were looking at a picture of pop from a car cannot and so impact on the culture between those two not even close that's pop is it is it close on the rap who's the better rapper in my opinion just lyrically, no. Nas is my favorite rapper ever. Um, I think, but but also too, we gotta realize, man. Like 
we didn't get to see Pac evolve into what he could have been. Like he was 25, you know what I mean? Like we've seen Nas start from live at the barbecue when he was 16, 17 and still making albums now. Like he got to be an artist and grow and develop. Like we got to see Pac for a little snapshot, you know? Yeah, I can, I can dig that. I want to just um, thank you for your time today, man. I, I really have enjoyed getting to know you and really uh, learning a little bit more about your journey. I want to tell you how proud of you I am, brother. <laughs> man, like, I appreciate it. I, he gets so weird when I say things like, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm proud just, of you. I'm, like, just I'm, I'm, I'm proud of your podcast, man. Right, you got you. microphones and like being able to set all it up. You got the vision for it. You, you official with it. I had to sign a waiver. I don't know <laughs> what you're going to do with all of that. I'm kind of afraid, <laughs> but... Um, like, no, I got me signing. Is this a waiver or a disclaimer? You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying I can post your video, man. But, um, but I mean it. I, I think, you know, I want to highlight the professional. Yeah. And you're a professional. Thank you. And this man, is, it, it, it's not always about, oh, but there's people hired at me, there's people doing more, there's people doing less. There's some people that don't work for the Jaguars, never worked in the NFL, never worked in the NBA, never will. So I just want to tell you, salute to you, man. Thank you so much for uh, for joining the show today. And um, man, this is the this is the end of the uh, of our episode today. You've tuned in to the Pro Formula Podcast. I'm hopeful that you enjoyed that. This is my guest today, Mr. Nick Birdsong, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace be on to you.